Welcome to You, Me, Empathy, a safe place for leading with your heart. Hey, thanks for being here. You, Me, Empathy is the official podcast of the Feely Human Collective, a collaborative mental health community designed to empower each of us to grow our capacity for empathy, vulnerability, and emotional wayfinding. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Known as just a silly boy with a feely heart. You can support the show by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts, following us on social media at Yumi Empathy and Feely Human, and joining the Feely Human Collective community at feelyhuman.co. And now your host, Known Wells. Hello, Feely Humans. Welcome to another episode of... You, me, empathy. My name is Known Wells. I am the creator and host of this podcast. I'm also the founder of the Feely Human Collective at feelyhuman.co. This is episode 216 on postpartum depression with Isis Avalos Perez. In this episode, Isis and I explore the disruption of identity that occurs in motherhood, how our disconnection from our bodies relates to diversity, inclusion, and equity work and the heaviness and shame that's wrapped up in postpartum depression. Really enjoyed this conversation with Isis. Really enjoyed connecting with her. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Before we get to the show, though, I wanted to read something and reflect on something. So just a moment ago, I wrote something down and I posted it on uh, Feely Human's Instagram page, at Feely Human, and I wanted to read it because... If you're like me, sensitive, big-hearted, deeply feely, deeply deeply empathetic, you might be feeling a lot right now, uh, and you might be feeling overwhelmed even. So this is a little note to you. You can't be all the things to all the people all the time. I see your softness, your sensitive heart, your deep wells of empathy. These are superpowers. They are the things that lift up and guide your activism, your community care, your curiosity. They are also the things that can burn us out, overwhelm us, and sometimes even render us immobile. We can devolve into people-pleasing, codependency, taking on all the feelings of all the hurt and pain and heartache. And then what? We have nothing left to give. We bypass our own care. We forget about our why. The needle stops moving. Our fellow feely humans, the most vulnerable among us, trans youth in Texas, black and brown feely humans, indigenous communities, families families with kids under five, disabled feely humans, immune compromised feely humans, Asian feely humans facing a rise in anti-Asian violence, Jewish feely humans living in a world of neo-Nazis et al. They need our soft hearts. They need you. How can we be more intentional and useful in our collective care and passion and love? How can we keep moving the needle without destroying ourselves in the process? How can we occupy both spaces of discomfort and grace, messy and self-aware, forward and nonlinear? I'm not a therapist. I'm a feely boy who feels all of this so deeply and someone who is often overwhelmed ever yearning to make an impact and also aware that my own yearning needs scrutiny, always. Feely Human is me, a little business I started in May of 2020. I don't have much to give financially, but I wanted to offer today is this reflection for all of you, for all of us, and to also say that for today and tomorrow, so today as I'm recording this, Sunday, February 27th, and today, as you're listening to this, February 28th, any purchase from the Feely Human shop at feelyhuman.co, all of the earnings will be donated, split equally between Equality Texas and Insight NGO, uh, both organizations doing wonderful work to create spaces, safe spaces for LGBTQ plus Texans and teens. And Insight NGO is doing wonderful work in giving uh, space, safe space and protection and care for queer and trans and LGBTQ LGBTQ plus folks in the Ukraine. So that's my little note to you about that. It's something I'm feeling a lot right now. Um, Your feelings matter. And 
they also can be uh, too much sometimes. Sometimes we take on the feelings of others, as I mentioned. Let's keep moving that needle, keep checking in on your why, and uh, let's do some good work. Uh, anyways, I appreciate you. I care about you. I love you, Feely Human. I'm grateful that you're listening to this podcast. I'm grateful for you being in the Feely Human Collective and in the community. Follow uh, the podcast on Instagram at Yumi Empathy. Follow Feely Human on Instagram at Feely Human. Learn more about some of the stuff we're doing at the Feely Human Collective at feelyhuman.co. I guess the next thing we're doing is a Feely Hikes in March. Uh, time and place TBD, but I will share more about that soon. And also my Dear Childhood Me journal is coming soon. I hope in March. My hope is March. I'm making progress. Making progress. So anyways, that's it. Let's let's get into the episode. This is episode 216, Postpartum Depression with Isis Avalos Perez. Welcome to You, Me, Empathy, the official podcast of the Feely Human Collective. On this show, we explore the struggles, the triumphs, the brights and the darks we face as humans trying to get by on this wondrous and overwhelming pale blue dot. The intent of You, Me, Empathy is to talk openly without judgment about our mental health, our neuroses, our shared anxieties and worries to create a dialogue that is vulnerable and deeply human and empathetic and to share that dialogue with others to inspire emotional and cognitive collaboration and insight so we can, hand in hand, break down the stigma that make us feel shame and guilt for struggling, for feeling our feelings, for being feely humans. Yumi Empathy is a safe, friendly space designed to inspire the beauty in each of us. Today, my heart is moved to be here with multidisciplinary movement artist, diversity, equity, and inclusion educator, and big-hearted activist, Isis Avalos Perez. Hello, Isis. Hi, no, thank you for having me. I feel, you know, just very grateful to be in this space and be sharing in the space with you. So thank you. So wonderful to have you, Isis. And uh, let's kick off the show, as we always do, with an emotional check-in. How are you feeling? Uh, well, it's the new year. So I think I'm just kind of clearing through my mind. I, I just came back from Mexico, so I, I'm visiting my parents. So I think I'm still kind of coming back into my routine. I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling um, very hopeful for this new year. Um, curious. Mm. And, um, vulnerable and happy. <laughs> I love that. What what do you think you're curious about? Like what is where is that coming from? Um I think I'm trying to get to know myself in different ways that I don't know myself yet. I think I I think what truly I'm I'm I feel I still consider myself a new mom. I have, I have a two two and a half year old and I think she has brought out my daughter has brought out a lot of stuff in me that I was like, Oh, I never dealt with that. I never dealt with that. And, uh, now it's raw and it's out and I'm kind of getting to know myself in those ways. And, and it's, yeah, it's scary. It's vulnerable, but I'm also curious to see who I kind of, I don't know, uh, transform into transition into kind of peel those, those layers, um, that I have. So I'm really curious to see myself a year from now. Um, mm. I, I think that's, that's where I'm at, especially because it's the beginning of the year. So that's I'm navigating beautiful. those waves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's so wonderful and beautiful and what a, 
a, a gift it is to like be open to that experience because as you know there's we all have experienced resistant to, resistance to that sort of uh, change that can happen within us, within our communities, et cetera, that, that feels scary and vulnerable and also crucial, right? Also crucial to ourselves, crucial to our sort of yeah. collective identities and healing. And, yeah. and what a reminder of like how humans, <laughs> including little children, could be mirrors for us, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's funny because, you know, I, I get to do, you know, DEI work. I'm very grateful I get to do that. And I've spent many years working through that. And then I had my daughter and it was like more like what I spent doing trying to facilitate getting others to kind of see and, and you know, have a new lens mm. is what my two and a half year old is do to, doing with me on a very, very, very personal level. <laughs> and it's actually tracking back to like, just, you know, family um, lineage. And I guess I don't want to call them chains, but, you know, just ties that, that I'm like, oh, I need to undo that. Oh, I need to, you know, work to undo that. So yeah, it's like, it's beautiful because it's it, this is helping me also show up, you know, a different way in, in the work that I also do. So it's a challenge, but I'm very grateful for it. Yeah. It's all connected, right? It, it really is. It really is. Do you, are you open to sharing maybe a thing or two yeah. that you're reflecting on in, in that sort of what, what's coming up for you as a mom? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I knew about postpartum depression, uh, postpartum depression. Um, but it didn't, I didn't realize how hard it was going to hit me and mm. it hit me <clears throat> pretty hard. And funny enough is that as I was trying to look for a, a, a therapist, I, I, uh, I was given this, I, I'm with an, uh, have health insurance and everything. I was given the, the resources to, to look for a therapist and no one was like licensed under postpartum. And actually there is no actual, um, specific, like, uh, I guess study or licensing for just postpartum depression mm. therapists. So, you know, I've been looking to family therapist, uh, PTSD therapist, um, cause this, that's where we're at right now. I think as a society, you know, acknowledging this, um, this, I guess, depression that, that really does happen. It actually goes way past six months. Um, I'm at two and a half years and I'm still, navigating it. Um, but that's, that's one part that came up, right? Like trying yeah. to do that. I had never dealt with depression in my life. Mm. Although now I realize I'm like, have I always been depressed? And I never acknowledged it, <laughs> you know, because I don't know, it just kind of like, it all just came, came out. Yeah. And, um, but there are, uh, I think the main thing has been identity. I think, mm. um, my transition into, having been my, myself, me, ECs, you know, I, I danced professionally, um, up until I had Luna, my daughter and, um, and also was doing social justice, um, work through art and then facilitating. And so I was, you know, just, I kind of had the ball rolling and I had my things going on and <clears throat> I had her at 32. So I had like 32 years of just me, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then that all switched. And, um, so yeah, I kind of was dealing with my identity, like, you know, my daughter, it's, it's a full-time responsibility, uh, job, but truly it's like, I, I, you know, I love her. So it's not like, it doesn't feel like a job, but it's truly like your life is just flipped, yeah. you know, yeah. it just becomes, um, your way of life. And so I think a lot of it was really talking to, to my own ego and realizing like, Oh, wow. Like I, I'm, I'm having such a hard time with this transition. And I think, and my, one of my thoughts is, is it, is that because of, is my having such a hard time transitioning my identity because I have like such a huge ego, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, because is my ego, so it's been such a part of my life and my identity that now it's trying to like shift and, and, mm -hmm. you know, so I'm trying to let go of those parts of me that like created my identity. Um, 
or is it, I don't know, or is it a mixture of my, you know, then I start to think about sociopolitically, right? I start to think about the fact that we don't have parental care leave, the fact that, you know, we don't have a community-based culture in this country where it's very individualistic and not collective way of of nurturing, of mothering the mother, you know, like all these things. Also throw in that, you know, my, my, my mom can't come into the U.S., so uh, so I didn't have like that kind of support, um, that I wish I, I could have had. I know that there are some new moms that are like, I don't want my mom around, you know, <laughs> and that, that works out fine. But so anyway, so then I start to like, think of all these things, but, um, so anyway, so my identity navigating that has shown up in ways that sometimes I, I want to do my thing. And then I get angry that I can't because I have to stop and you know, care for my daughter in the most like smallest ways that just, you know, um, every day. But then I'm like, oh, I'm being a little kid. I'm being a little kid. And I'm kind of like now having this tug of war with another little kid, (laughs) you know, like, and so I'm being a little girl with a little girl. Um, And then I kind of like step back and I'm like, wow, okay. You see, you know, (laughs) <laughs> at this point at 35, I'm at 30, you know, 35 now I, I should, why am I having, you know, then the shame starts, right. Why am I having such a hard time? Um, caring you for should my be daughter? over this. I yes. should be this or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm 35. What, why am I acting like a little girl with my own little girl? Like, and these things, and then that, then that shame like wraps mm-hmm. me up, makes me cry, makes me fall into, is this still my postpartum depression? And then makes me fall into like, I'm going to isolate and not like let people know that I'm going through this, you know? Mm-hmm. So I used to talk about it more openly with my postpartum depression, but you know, there's such, I mean, mom guilt is one thing I think we personally feel, but I think also societally, like there is such a pressure to to come out to come out as like a very caring and loving mom in which i i know i am and i am also the mom that struggles like a lot <laughs> moms moms have to be superheroes they have to have full-time jobs they have to do everything right that's the societal lens exactly what is like important and what is sort of really so I, as of this recording today is I'm one year sober from alcohol. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, today. Thanks. Today. Oh, today. Congratulations. Um, thank you. I, and I bring that up not to, uh, to sort of conflate my own ego, but to say that I had this conversation with, uh, my friend, Emily, who she'll come up later. Yeah where she interviewed me about that experience, my sort of sobriety, and what she said to me, and I'm going to give it back to you, is, known you've had 30-plus years, I'm 40, you've had 30-plus years of an identity that is rooted in alcohol. That's mm-hmm. what you've known, right? So, mm-hmm. give your, so I'm going to say to you, Isis, give yourself grace and kindness and space and softness and curiosity to say, like, Look, I've had 30 years of not being a mom. It's yeah. going to take time. <laughs> it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be vulnerable. And it, and the anger and the frustration is valid and understandable, right? Because you've yeah. been at it for two and a half years. That's not very long. No, no. And, you know, that's, yes, now that you put it that way, it makes sense. I, I, I talk about that that way in the postpartum body. Like mm. I am 30 pounds over what I used to be like for a very, like pretty much, you know, for a very long time. And then I've learned to give myself grace. Cause I'm like, wait, it took like 10 months to transform my body. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. To then give birth. And then the whole bouncing back or like you, you know, the baby comes out and you're like, you know, super skinny or whatever. And and then societally that is so praised, right? Yep. Like, Oh my God, she looks amazing. She just had a baby or she has three kids or whatever it is, you know? And so, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Cause I think I've, I've attached that way of thinking, you know, 
for my body. Cause that's also something else I'm navigating with a new body, right? Like a, a new, now a new body as a mom. And, but truly it is that I've been, you know, I don't know. I've been a mom for only two and a half years. And sometimes it looks so natural to other moms. And then that whole comparing myself to mm-hmm. other moms starts to happen. And it's, you know, but um, the but assumptions yeah. we make of others. Yes. Right? Yes. And Which then leads of course, to all the shame and yeah. Shame, guilt, all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, thank you for sharing that. Cause it's, it's very true. I, I think we need to normalize that I, I maybe in, in, in mom culture too, <laughs> you know, like I think, you know, we've been ourselves for decades and then we transition into being completely different. Well, so. the, there's another piece of it that I think has been, has come up on this show before, which is like, there is a little bit of like preference, preference toward the, the mother who is pregnant, like pre-birth, there's a lot of like value and attention and care. And then it's like, get the fuck out of my hospital, uh, you know, get, 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 you you know, you use the word skinny, get skinny and, and yeah. Uh, yeah. get, get white and, and get whatever it may be. <laughs> right. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. so there's like this attention on the pre and the after is like, all right, yeah. get back and get back into work. And, you know, yeah. you mentioned parental care and stuff, which is atrocious here in the States. So there's that lens as well. That's important. Yeah, I think, well, it's funny because one of the cold, hard like experiences I, I, I had, it's very small, but I now tell my friends, I'm like, no one prepares you for the moment you they like kind of send you off from the hospital and you're just carrying a little tiny human being and you're like, that's it. That was, that was it. That, okay. So what do I do when I get in the car and there's a car seat and I don't know how to put the baby in the car seat. Yeah, and, yeah. and so it's this like extremely vulnerable moment. I think literally from the steps to the hospital door into mm. the car it's like, I, it's like you pass around. Like, I feel like, you know, I, it's funny. I, I celebrate Dia de los Muertos and, and it's part of my, you know, spiritual way of also navigating life. But I really truly felt like that passage, that walk was what really kind of set me off into the next, you know, what walk of, of this new life that I have, but Mm. yeah, I think it's like you're being born again too. Totally. Totally vulnerable and scared and so many things. And, you know, at two and a half, I'm still navigating all those emotions, you know? Um, and we'll continue to. Oh, I don't right? think it's going to stop. I, and moms tell me that. They were yeah. like, oh, this is never going to stop. <laughs> I'm like, ah. I mean, it's, oh. it's, right. I mean, it's, it's another, like, we don't have kids. Uh, you know, many of our friends do, uh, but, you know, having kids or having an experience, it's another, uh, I mean, not they're not tools, but it's another, like, experience in which we can use that experience to, like, okay, how can this reflect upon myself? How can sort of this experience sort of deepen my connection to my community? Like, all this stuff. Like, it's another opportunity to use the word curiosity up top. It's another, another opportunity for curiosity, right? Yep and reflection and the stuff that we all need to be doing in all contexts all the time. Uh, Mm -hmm. But we don't because, you know, it's scary or it's anxious or what have you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very much that. Yeah. So I know that you, you you know, you mentioned dance, you were a dance, you're a performer, you're a teacher. Mm -hmm. Uh, how has that been sort of post having a kid and what is, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, has that been hard? Has that been, yeah. what has that been like? Um, well, I, one, one ways that I, that I keep up with just myself personally, I stretch every day. I still do that. That's very something that I've kept, <laughs> um, in my transition. And, uh, I, um, I actually still, uh, I came back after birthing Luna. I came back actually almost a year. I thought I was going to 
come back earlier, like bounce back. But it sure. truly took me a year to then truly feel like, okay, I can go back on tour now and like, mm. you know, perform again. So I, I, I did, um, I, I went back, uh, um, and I did one tour and I toured, you know, I took her with me. I had a friend of mine that came with me to care for her. Um, it was really sweet because, uh, I, we went to ASU, Arizona State University to perform and you never know if they're going to be friendly, uh, baby friendly venues. And when I get, <laughs> got to the venue, there was a, um, a dressing room that said baby on it. <laughs> it was so sweet because, you know, I had, I had my own dressing room, but she also, my daughter had a, a dressing room, which was really sweet. Um, and I was able to travel in that way. And I was kind of getting my, you know, my bearings straight and, and going and, and then COVID hit. Um, so <clears throat> I kind of obviously it hit the dance world really hard, the arts world. I mean, right, Broadway, right. every, you mentioned it, you know, yeah. it was, it was very hard. Um, but then it starts, it, things started picking up. Um, one of the things that truly made me realize is like my, my, my community, my own dance community, like we lifted up we lifted each other up mm. and I think we, we, we stayed connected and found ways to kind of create art again. Uh, one of the, one of the, the things that I just recently did, that was kind of my like, Oh, I'm coming back or I'm, I'm back sort of transition was um, a, a friends, a fr- friends of mine, they, they run a nonprofit organization and, and they were given, um, they got a grant from um uh, sit the LA department of cultural affairs. Mm-hmm. And then they invited me to be their, um, artist in residence for, for, um, the fall, just, just this fall that, that just passed. And, um, they were just so awesome. They're, they're friends and colleagues of mine. And they were just like, we believe in you. Here's this money and do what you want with it. And I was like, what and there obviously has to be community based and yeah, yeah. and you know, within a certain um section of of LA city of LA so anyway i i created um an event and you know i i, I finished it in, in november and it was just so nice to have that sort of i don't know that that um that uh, maybe that appreciation of my own community saying like, Hey, we see you. We think Mm. you're great. We're investing in you literally monetarily also, you know, like here's do, you know, do whatever you want. And, and, and it it was cool to also see the community come through. It was like, you know, a a, a live performance. We were all wearing masks, but um, I was able to perform again. I was also able to create an installation. I was just kind of using my multiple different hats as an artist and, and my, my husband and my, and my, my daughter came Mm. and it was just so nice to see myself sort of doing what I know to do. Um, um, yeah. And, and that context with, with my family now. And so that was a beautiful experience. I, then I left to Mexico and, and now I'm back. And so I'm, 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 you know, trying to figure out, um, how it can continue to make uh, artwork make truly work um more looking at the body inwardly as far as like somatic wise um how we store memory in our body emotional um familial just sort of recognizing that so much of what we how we navigate um and how our body navigates and our body feels has to do with memory from generations past mm. that has been transferred through us in the womb Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way that I transferred my own traumas to my daughter through my womb and, you know, and da, 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 da. But in that way, we have also developed, um, tools within ourselves and our body that our body actually knows how to handle those traumas. Mm-hmm. So in the way that we transfer trauma, we also transfer ways to kind of help heal ourselves. So I'm really interested in, um, navigating that through the body I don't know if it's creating choreography through that. Um, but I would, I just kind of have created my own way of like creating my stretches, breath work, um, and then moving. So maybe, I don't know, hopefully this year teaching, I would love to teach maybe, you know, like a one-time class kind of to 
um, test it out and then see where that takes me, but also incorporate that in what I have been doing is incorporating that in like DEI facilitating work. Um, Mm -hmm. I think so much of obviously, you know, the, the topics, the content is very heavy and it's, um, it's also, I think it also ties in ancestral healing. And, and I think, uh, the one way that we can truly authentically tap into that is, is with our bodies because our bodies have known and, and been here, you know, longer than, than we have. So, um, I'm also curious to see how I can, um, start to incorporate that, um, with our bodies and, and that DEI work. So that's kind of where I'm at as far as like what I was doing dancing professionally, but now I'm kind of truly integrating it more with like movement and somatic and uh, healing work. Yeah. So I love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You don't know this about me, but I am in the process of doing uh, EMDR therapy. Mm. And one of the things that I am trying to work on is like, being more connected to my body. <laughs> I have sort of a, just a long history of disconnecting from it, you know, through uh, eating disordered past, childhood trauma, like self-harm, you know, all that stuff. And sort of, I can talk about feelings in my head, but like can never describe what they feel like in my body. So one of my goals for this year, 2022, is to is to take up some dance lessons to try to be more in my body and more sort of somatic and connected in that way. So uh, very yeah. aligned in that way. I'm, I'm grateful to hear that you're, you know, loving and doing that work um, too. Yeah. I, I, when I was in college, I was, I, I kept thinking like, why isn't every human doing this? This is mm-hmm. so helpful and necessary. I was, we did, a, I had, a, I was in a class called stress reduction through movement uh, and we we're doing like various learning about various techniques to reduce stress through movement, like Tai Chi, Qigong, um, Alexander technique, um, um, just d- different, different, different techniques. And um, obviously, you know, as dancers, we invest our, our whole lives working through our body, but it just felt like such a holistic way of looking at, at life. You know, mm. I would walk out of the, the studio thinking like, I feel better, like as a human being, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and it was only because I was breathing and I could feel like I could sense every single part of me, like, or my bones falling into the ground, you know? Cause it caused your muscles to release and, mm. and that co- sort of sensation, it just kind of like, I don't know. It just, it shifts your, your way of, 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 you know, seeing, uh, seeing life, seeing every day. So, um, truly that has been, if I bring it back to, to, you know, whole post- postpartum depression, that has been something that has really helped me get through, get through that, this phase, um, you know, knowing, applying those techniques that I used, that I learned in college or that, you know, I kept developing, um, to get back into my body has really helped me through, through that. So. I love that. Well, and it makes sense, right? Like we were talking about before sort of the cultural societal lens of, of women and motherhood and like the body, right. And how sort of postpartum the body needs to be this thing needs to be this, whatever thing. And that's a just denial of body. That's like a bypassing of reality and what our bodies are. Right. And, and actually looking at them honestly and compassionately. Um, So it makes sense that movement is a way to do that honestly, you know, in, in the face of that sort of bypassing that we do culturally. So I I think it's beautiful. Um, I would love to, I'm just thinking this on the fly, but I would love to somehow with my little tiny, just me company, Feely Human, do like a, I don't know, facilitate some in-person like dance thing this, this year, uh, at some point, like maybe in LA area, that would be, that would be great. I would love to do that. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That'd be so great. I'd be, I'd be down to, to join and to like move and just, you know, breathe through things. And, it, and, you know, it's truly just even the act of saying, 
for this hour of my day, I'm like dedicating it to my body, which is such a radical thought, but truly it should have always been that, you know, it should have always been a dedication to our body from the minute we wake up, you know, Mm -hmm. because, but we're so detached from our relationship to our bodies that we, we have to make it a, a, a thing, you know, like we're going to do it. So I think it's, I think it's important that we start in this, in, in this way of, of, you know, seeing how we can get back to our bodies. I, you, you brought up something that I have been thinking about since I gave birth to that. I, that then connected it to the DEI work that I do, but truly historically, the body has always been depreciated. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it just, the way that we have enslaved human beings, we, the way we have, you know, captured their bodies, tossed their bodies away through history. Um, and then you look at the, the theme of uh, the woman body, um, you know, I'm not going to get into details at all, but I'll just say that the act of birthing itself and now realizing, oh, the threshold or like just, just the pain <laughs> that you feel yeah. and what your body goes through. And I'm like, how are people not realizing what, like, what a huge act of, of life that is like, and we just, we don't even see it that way. You know, we expect moms to just bounce back after like, that's a major surgery that happened. That's like that, like, and it truly does feel like you got hit by a train in a way. And so, but you know, that depreciation of what the body is capable to do to even bring in a human, Mm. you know, if we're not even able to, appreciate and value what the body itself can do when it brings in a human into earth, then what are, I mean, then we're really truly screwing ourselves over in a way. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying like, let's, it all goes back, back to just focusing on, on mother's birthing, which I think one of the roots is that, (laughs) but, but I do think we have developed just, you know, where we are now society, just such a detachment to the body, because I think, I think if we, if we start to connect back to our bodies, we'll start to connect and tap into that vulnerability um, within ourselves. And I think that's hard for us to do. And so, you know, yeah, I, I think dance has always been also such a beautiful tool to kind of just even tap into that and get to know yourself in such in a, in a different, uh, you know, way through your body that doesn't have to be deep or anything, mm-hmm. but that you can just feel yourself moving. You know, mm-hmm. it's such an empowering act when you, uh, when you start to connect to your body self, you know, um, yeah. you start to feel so empowered by that. When, so the, tell me a little bit about the type of dance you do and sort of, mm-hmm. and maybe even like, do you sort of approach it from the lens of a specific culture or a specific, you know, like intention, you know, et cetera? Yeah. Um, so I, I, oh, it's hard. It's funny. I don't want to start with like the degree I have, cause I'm like trying to not, you know, give so much importance to that. But um, I, my first introduction to dance was, was social dance um, and my culture dance, which was, Cumbia, Tejano, Norteño, which is um, very much very popular in South Texas. Um, If I say Selena, I think that'll be like a really quick reference, you know, um, (laughs) to just kind of get it in a fast way. But um, yeah, I I grew up in South Texas. So that was kind of like my culture. Also, my roots are back in in Mexico, in the state of Nayarit. So banda is like a huge... um, uh, like just me, banda music, banda dancing is it's always been something I grew up with. Um, it's a regional Mexican music. Um, but then I grew up dancing in the studio, jazz, flamenco, folklorico, hip hop, all of that. Um, in college, I that's where I learned about modern mm. and postmodern dance, contemporary, and um, floor work, floor release, modern releases basically what I got my degree in modern release dance. And then I moved to LA and I had always carried street and social dance forms with me. Um, Cause that was something I just always gravitated to. And when I came here to LA, I dove into house, which woo, now is like 
so much of what, um, you know, what I love. Cause I think house just brings in so many, all the forms that I, that I, I truly love. Mm. Um, and then uh, the company that I danced with, it was heavily rooted in Afro Cuban dance okay. and I'm not uh, um, Afro Cuban. I'm Mexican. Um, but through that, I learned, you know, Afro Brazilian dance, um, Haitian dance. I was kind of opened up into that world of, afro latino latin Mm -hmm. dance and then in learning those type of dances uh then i started to connect to my relationship to afro african descendant folks of latin origin as well okay and i started to then think of like what is my relationship to not realizing that like cumbia this is something i've been doing my whole life um is actually originally comes from enslaved um, African people living in Colombia. And Mm. that was something that was never shared because in Latin culture, we don't really, you know, talk about a lot of like the, the roots of of, of slavery that we have in the history that we have in in Latin culture. So, um, so anyway, um, I kept diving into Afro-Latin dance and it came to me like just it's something that I gravitate to um, the drum, the 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 clave, which is the. Um, um. <laughs> yeah. That is like the key to salsa, to basically like any rhythm, Latin rhythm. So um, I just yeah. I, I think now, now I, I blend the, um, those forms into kind of like what what I come from, um, which is also my Mexican roots, and heavily influenced by modern release, um, and then the Afro Latin roots. Um, and so, yeah, but uh, truly, a lot of learning about the Afro Latin roots of dance was was truly what propelled me into digging into my own um, anti blackness, anti indigeneity within myself that I had to recognize and also within my Mexican culture and then Latino culture. So um, that's how it also tied into my diversity, equity and inclusion um, work that I've been doing. So, so yeah, I will forever be a student um, in in these forms, but I've also learned to um, connect myself um, ancestrally Afro-Latin dance forms connect are truly like, it's hard to to make them secular from you know the spiritualism that they carry from the mm. Yoruba tradition, um, you know that that truly survived um, the transatlantic slave trade. And so, um, you know, I've I've when I used to teach workshops that included Afro Latin um, dance movement, um, I always say it. You know, I actually went to my um, I went back to my alma mater, uh, University of North Texas. And I taught a workshop that um, truly was more like my own workshop, trying to figure out where I navigate in those lines of I'm not, um, I don't know if I'm Afro, Afro um, of African descent um, through my Latin roots or anything, but um, I don't, I don't present myself in that way. Mm-hmm. I just identify as um, indigenous and Spanish and mestizo. Um, but, uh, but when I teach it, because those forms influence me, um, or what I know, uh, I truly, you know, I, in a way I make sure that I say out loud, you know, this form, these steps are rooted in African descendants brought over by the transatlantic slave trade that landed Mm -hmm. in Latin America. And because of that, now I'm teaching you as a Latina woman, these, these forms, um, so it's my way to honor, you know, that I've been granted a, a gift in, in a sense to have learned these forms, yeah. um, and in, in some ways, you know, teach them, but by also recognizing, you know, the history that they have in them. But anyway, all that to say is that I, I blend all those things, <laughs> house, <laughs> modern release, Afro-Latin dance. Those are my main things. It's beautiful. I yeah. love that, uh, you know, an art form like dance could be a window into history if we allow it to be, right? If we're open enough for it to be, right? 
and this this window into uh, privilege and to intersectionality and to sort of our own trappings and our own attachments and stuff like this is the work right of it of being human is to like bring in that awareness always and forever right and and doing it through uh, an art form like like dance is i think it's just so beautiful and i it makes me excited uh, about my sort of future quote-unquote dance journey for myself yeah. you know <laughs> Do it, do it. I am so excited for you. I think it's going to tap into at least, you know, what what happened to me it just tapped into my own personal life. It just kind of brought it all together and it made me mm. become so much more aware of like, oh, this is this is why my body feels right doing this. And then you'll and you I think as you navigate different forms um and styles of movement, I think you'll get to learn about your body and how it feels good when it does certain, you know, yeah. moves. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. And I love that um, dance, you know, sim- you know, I said it, but like more specifically dance in in a way is connected now to the DEI work you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. And so much of that I'm finding, you know, in the sort of in my day job space that I'm sort of facing day in and day out is like this just coming up against the atrocities of capitalism and what that means for us, right? And what that has meant for us, right? And so, I'm curious about you and sort of your art, you know, you're an artist, you're a dancer, you're in this beautiful space of sort of honoring the past and and reflecting on sort of the beauty in, in, in the way that you can. How do you sort of operate in that space and also operate in the space of commercialism capitalism like <laughs> mm-hmm. you're also want like because i struggle with this i yeah. i'm sort of do like I, I teach people about empathy and what that means and like not as a checkbox right it's this ongoing hard thing that we have to face as humans and i want to like help feely human be a thing that I can quit my day job and like make money, but like money sucks. And like, how do you (laughs) navigate some of those feelings? Yeah. Yeah. I do. That's it's so hard. Yeah. It's so tough because it's, it's infiltrated, you know, capitalism is just filtered in everything that where we are, where we live, what we do. I mean, unless I, go off and live in a forest and dance by myself. I think that would be the most, I guess, authentic anti-capitalistic. Let's do that. Let's make a plan. <laughs> Let's do that, right? Live out in, in an encampment, uh, just dancing every day. But, you know, the reality, I, I went through different stages. Truly, I was like, at one stage, just like, super anti-capitalist but at the same time i'm like well i'm gonna teach this dance class and i'm gonna get paid because that's what you know that's what i'm doing that's what i can do and that's that's your value that is and so then i'm like okay well i can't truly walk that walk or say that i am because i'm still doing the act of you know yeah yeah um so now i'm really you know i'm trying to navigate i'm still trying to navigate that i mean i uh there have been gigs that I've done that, you know, have been super commercial and um, capitalist and, and commercial and all of that. Um, and, you know, and then I'm like, but it pays so good. That's so great. And it's helping me, you know, like uh, do the other stuff that I do want to do as far as dance, you know? So yeah. it's like kind of like, I, it's really interesting. I've been able to do, you know, I guess, you know, focus more on the work that I do invest in like workshops or like, you know, trainings and things like that um, by like doing some sort of commercial, commercial work Mm. um, to then do what I get to do. I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. Um, It's hard. It's hard to navigate it. I think uh, I've seen that a lot actually, well, here, here's one little, I, I, I guess maybe one little way I've learned to navigate this. Um, I used to work for Lululemon for seven years and 
capitalist company um, definitely has its own history of, of messing up and, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. still learning. And, and, you know, and I give it to Lululemon to that. They really, truly, you know, try, they, they, they authentically try to, you know, admit their faults and then keep going and see how they can do better the next time. I say this because, while I was doing the diversity equity and include, or, or while I was uh, while I was touring with this company doing social justice activism work through mm-hmm. dance, I was working at Lululemon, and so I had amazing managers who knew I would be gone for two to three weeks at a time, and I would have a job to come back to every single time, you know, and I did that for six years with the company. I mean, I don't know how I was able to pull that off, especially mm. with a corporate company like that. Yeah. To go off and come back, go off and come back. I'd come back and be a new team, you know, or they'd be like, oh, you're where are you off to now? You know, and but it was because people believed in, in me and in the work that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, cool, go off and do that. Send the message come back, fold pants and you get paid, you know, <laughs> extremely expensive pair of yoga pants, you know, and, and I had to navigate that, you know, I, I'd, I'd be traveling, talking about, you know, not sticking it to the man or whatever, but I was like, in a sense, like talking about decolonizing work or like, you know, talking about capitalism or, and, and you know, tied into, into systemic racism and all those things. And, And, you know, I was also coming back to work for a company that also was helping me pay my bills because unfortunately as a dancer, even though I was working professionally, I still wasn't making enough to support myself, you know? So it's, it's been a hard, you know, uh, I don't know, just journey to, to navigate the, the in and outs of that, but I'm thankful for both for, for, you know, truly that's. I just, I still remain with a, a thankful heart that I'm, that I'm able to do, to do both things. Um, but it's very hard. I see it right now hit me hard, mainly with, with day of the dead. I think mm. this year truly was like, you know, just, I, I, I saw a, a day of the dead little makeshift altar that you can do it that comes in a box. Like you can make an altar from a box and it was on clearance at a major corporate capitalist company that I love to shop at, like it, it, they sell car- crafts and stuff, but mm-hmm. it was on clearance and it was like day of the day. And it just kind of like broke my heart because, you know, something, especially when you learn the history and the traditions and the oral traditions and the spiritualism behind it. And then you see it in a box on clearance at a corporate company. It just, yeah. You know, it's heavy. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. But then it's like, then I start to think, okay, well, what if I start teaching, you know, uh, about day of the dead or start doing my own events about day of the dead, Yeah. but then am I capitalizing on that too? You know, Mm -hmm. like I then start to capitalize on my own wanting to, you know, (laughs) decapitalize from that. So yeah, I don't know. It's messy and it's like healing. It's nonlinear. And I think it's a bit of like, couple steps back a couple steps forward you know always because of the space we're in and i i think what i have to remind myself and i've I've mentioned this on the show is like i can get like too like utopian you know in my thinking and then like want to just say like like I make rash decisions because uh, yeah. I'm like, fuck it, let's burn it down. <laughs> burn it all down. Yeah, that's how I get to and, You know, and I know that 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 probably is not useful and maybe even yeah. not as empathetic as I uh, as it should be, right? Like I'm not considering like how yeah. that might impact someone yes. over here that I that I haven't thought of yet, right? So yeah. it's it's a it's a mind game and I think yeah, I have to remind myself that it is kind of messy and a couple steps here, a couple steps there, moments at a time, one person at a time, whatever it whatever we can tell ourselves to keep momentum, keep mm-hmm. that movement, mm-hmm. uh, keep that sort of needle moving. Mm-hmm. Uh and 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 with the hope that things do start to unravel and detangle and dismantle you know 
Yeah. Um, but it does take all of us in our own ways, right? Internally and externally. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, what you're saying is, I think for me, what's coming up for me is like the right or wrong. What is the right way? What is the mm. wrong way? And I think that has also to do with like my own ego attached to it, what I think is right. And then, mm-hmm. you know, there you lose the lack of empathy of like, well, maybe what you thought was right is not right for other people. And so, yeah. so then you start to realize like, oh, this is going to take a lot longer than, <laughs> you know, because it's not, and it's not even, I don't know if it's even trying to get to the right way of doing things because I don't even believe that there is one right way of, right. of doing things. Yeah. And so it's just having to just continuously navigate that non-linear linear path mm-hmm. um, that, yeah, that gets us to see each other and not just what we think is the right way. Yeah, that binary lens. Yes. And that binary lens is rooted in capitalism. Yeah, Like it's rooted in that narrow frame of thinking that that mm-hmm. wants to position us in either we're we're on the path we're doing it right or we're 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 not enough or we're less than downwards right? we're not yeah 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 it's really it's and you know it's funny because even with dance i've seen that physicalize itself hmm. in the way that i've learned movement like the way that I play with gravity or with momentum, with release, with tension, uh, with breath, like all those are elements of also life that come up, you know, yeah. and then when you physicalize them, you start to understand like, oh, I really cannot move this way if I'm pulling this way, you know, like, mm. so you have to let go so that you can, you know, propel for forward. And so it's like all of all of the ways that I've been able to or, you know, people or the way that we get to move, um, are reflective of how we view society. Truly, truly. One of the, one of the main things for me was like, I have to let go. I mean, and truly when I let go in my body, when I let go of like that tension in my muscles, it's like, you start to kind of like embrace this new air literally, cause you're w- moving through air and you're move and you're embracing like new ways of moving, you know, it's, it's the same the same in life and it's non-linear yeah it's definitely non non-linear yeah we are reflections of our external worlds we are reflections of the universe right like we embody all of it um whether yeah. we admit it or are willing to see it right absolutely yeah absolutely. i love that we are mm. mm-hmm. so i think that this year, 2022 ECs, we're going to do some sort of workshop. I would um, love that. Now that I know that you're in SoCal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll just get together. We'll we'll do a, like a movement and empathy workshop or something. Like that would be pretty cool. We should that. we should gab on that. But um I I cherish the work that you're doing and I cherish you and I I I'm grateful that we were able to do this and um, we always transition out of the show by talking about our empathy heroes. So folks in our lives who are compassionate, empathetic, could be characters from stories we love even. So I will go first to give you a moment to think about yours, ECs. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned her before, uh, Emily, my friend, Emily Lynn Paulson, who uh, interviewed me for, uh, uh, my one year sober episode as of this recording, it'll be this coming, uh, Monday, but as of, uh, it'll be out. But yeah, if you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to it. But Emily, uh, is someone who just reached her five year sobriety, uh, and just very proud of her. She does wonderful work in helping sober, sober, curious people find community and space to reflect and to heal and if that's not empathy, I don't know what is. So Emily <laughs> Lynn Paulson, you can find her at Highlight Real Recovery on Instagram. She is my empathy hero this week. Yay. How about you, ECs? Your empathy hero. Uh truly the first person that comes to my mind is my my partner, my husband. Um, he especially navigating the last these last two and a half years with the new version of me or that I'm becoming. <laughs> um, he has given me so much 
uh, a grace uh, and empathy and just seen me at my worst and navigated with me through him himself, even trying to be a new parent, you know, um, and also being there for me as me as a new parent. So I just, I'm truly grateful for having um, a very empathetic partner mm. <laughs> in my life and loving partner. So this goes out to you, Anthony Ray Perez. <laughs> ah, yes, Anthony. Um, good on you, Anthony. Yes. I mean, uh, an empathetic partner is, uh, we need it. It's essential. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what I would do without Jessica, my partner. Yeah. So, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Thankful, thankful for partners who can see us and love us. <laughs> mm, indeed. Yeah. And challenge us. And challenge us. Um, well, ECs, where can the feely humans out there connect with you and learn more about you? Yes, um, I am on Instagram. I'm coming back. I kind of took off some time to reflect, but um, you can find me on Instagram at Morena Moves. That's M O R E N A Moves with an S. Um, I'm pretty much pretty active there. That's pretty much where where I where I hang out. So if y'all want to touch base with me there? I'd love to see you all, and you can also see me move through there. So amazing. Well, listeners, uh, that will be linked in the show notes at feelyhuman.co. ECs, thank you for being here and for showing up uh, with a big heart, and I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. I really enjoyed our time talking. (laughs) Likewise, my friend. And to you listeners, as I always say, I'm here, you're here, we're here together on this wayward, overwhelming, awe-inspiring, pale blue dot, we have each other. It's you, me, empathy. Oh,